Hello and welcome to Idioms and Idiots and happy 2016 everyone. Today our topic is hodgepodge because there's not really a topic. It's just a big jumble. We didn't do much research over the holidays. Yeah. But to recap, Ryan's going to start off with the definition and origin of pony up. So the definition of this one actually has nothing to do with the equestrian animal, a pony. Oh, that's weird because I thought it would come from horse racing. Oh, I did too. Uh, yeah. Everything comes from horse racing. Yeah. Anyway, the definition of pony up is you say pony up to someone when you want them to pay you back for a debt or just pay you in general. And this comes from, in the Catholic Church, there are certain psalms that are assigned to each day of the year. And the psalm for March 25th is Psalm 119. And that actually has the term in Latin, legem pone. The, the full verse is, teach me, O Lord, the ways of thy statutes, which has nothing to do with giving people money. But... March 25th is a quarter day, and it's actually the first payday of the year, oftentimes a day that you paid back debts was March 25th. So because that psalm was linked with March 25th, the payday, the debt repayment day, it became slang of pone, pone up. There you go. Okay. It's not at all what I would have guessed for that. Yeah, all goes back to Latin. All right, idiom number one, under the weather. Under the weather means to be feel sick, out of sorts, not well, mm-hmm. ill, or even uh, drunk under the influence of alcohol. Oh, cool. All right. That's a much nicer way of saying it. Euphemistic. Yes. So where do you think under the weather comes from? All right. I'm going to shoot for before germ theory. Uh, let's go England. So England, 1600s. And uh, weather would, would have been a colloquial term for the devil because there are a lot of colloquialisms for the devil. And so it was assumed that if you fell ill, it wasn't because of germs or, or anything that actually causes illness. It was because the devil got a hold of you. And so you were taken under control of Satan himself. In pleasant company, you don't want to utter the name of Satan. So you would say under the weather instead of under the control of Satan. So it started out as a euphemism and slowly became an idiom. Okay. Yep. Tell me how right I am. <laughs> Okay, so there's actually like two similar ideas about where this came from. One is that in the days of sailing, when you were seasick or not feeling well, you would go below deck mm-hmm. and where you would be out of the weather. And also the ship would rock less because you'd be lower in the ship. Okay. And if the weather was outside, you'd be under the deck and under it, I guess. Okay, so instead of people saying over the weather because you were un- below deck... It was kind of a clever turn of phrase that you were under the weather instead of out of the weather. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's also thought that maybe the full phrase was under the weather bow. The weather bow is the side upon which all of the bad weather is coming toward the ship. Okay. So it would mean to just be adversely f- affected by the weather. Under the weather bow would mean... Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so okay, so what is the bow? What is the bow of a ship? The bow is the front of it. I don't understand. I, I need to look up the weather bow. Okay. <laughs> the definition worked for me, but I could tell by your face that it wasn't working for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the under the under that's getting me. Here we go. Uh, the weather bow, the side of the bow toward the wind. So the side that's towards the wind. Well, the bow is the front of the ship. Okay. And the weather bow is the side of the front of the ship that's toward the wind. It's towards the wind. Okay. So if you're under there, 
You're going to get crushed by the boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're being key hauled. <laughs> Is that the term? For when you pull someone underneath, you actually pull someone underneath the keel of the ship. Oh, okay. Which is like the, the middle thing. Yeah. The thing the, the thing the wooden mermaid attaches to. <laughs> That's the bowsprit. <laughs> I'm pretty How do you know so much about boats? Well, I don't know. If you read like certain books, I think like it's common in like fiction to like be really smart about the parts of the boat. So like sometimes you can actually appreciate a fantasy book better if you know like some of the generic terms of a boat so that you can kind of picture what they mean when they say uh, okay the poop deck and stuff like that. Gotcha. Welcome back to Boatcast. Boats, 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 boats <laughs> all the time. <laughs> no, okay. So it's our first segment, etymology and entomology. Woo! For etymology, I'd like to talk about the origin of Molotov cocktail. Okay. You know what these are, right? Yeah, it's like a like a oil like a rag stuffed into a bottle with alcohol or some flammable liquid in it. Right. It's an improvised explosive. <clears throat> mm. It's exactly that. And so you light the rag on fire and throw it, and when the glass breaks open, hopefully all the fluid catches on fire. Okay. Yeah, for me in in films, Molotov cocktails are kind of shorthand for riot or anarchy in general. Yeah. Like if you see a Molotov cocktail you know chaos has, has ensued. Yes. <laughs> Bedlam. Yeah, no one no one does those at 4th of July. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a mess. That's a great way to light something. Just throw all your fireworks in a pile and just chuck a Molotov <laughs> cocktail in it. I guess you have to put a rock in. You have to put a rock in the middle of the fireworks so that it breaks, the glass breaks. Actually, you know what? Pro tip, <laughs> if you're out lighting, a, you want to light a bunch of fireworks, a great way is just... Uh, propane torch. Get one of the small canisters of propane that has uh-huh. like the little angled torch. Oh yeah, and they're that flame's super hot, so it lights fuses. Oh, cool. really quick. Good to know. And it looks like a Molotov cocktail, more effective. <laughs> so, so this improvised explosive got its name during the Winter War, which was a war that kind of led up to World War Two, okay. but it was a war fought between Russia and Finland. The hell, Finland? Yeah. So. Prior to World War II, there was this treaty of non-aggression between Germany and the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and it was called the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. Okay. And it divided Europe up into, quote, spheres of influence. So it was kind of Russia and Germany being like, you take that bit, I take, I'll take this bit. Okay. And Finland fell into Russia's sphere of influence. Hmm. And so Russia invaded Finland. Wait, it wasn't even like, if things go sideways, you know, it's, you fight them. It's, hey, it's yours for the taking, right? <laughs> I think more the latter. <laughs> <laughs> so Russia invaded Finland, and Russia had vastly superior firepower. Mm-hmm. But Finland put up a really decent fight, and the war was lost by the Finns, but at an incredible cost to Russia. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that the Finns would destroy Russian tanks is with Molotov cocktails. Only they weren't called that just yet. Yeah. But they had, they would use this bottle of flammable liquid to get tanks caught on fire. Okay. And during this time, Russia was also bombing Finland. Only Russia's propaganda within their country was telling their citizens that they weren't invading Finland. They were actually just providing supplies to Finland. And that the planes that they saw flying from Russia into Finland were just dropping baskets of bread to the Finnish people. Oh, man. (laughs) And (laughs) 
So because Molotov, let me take a crack at his full name. So the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact was named after Vyacheslav Molotov, who was the Soviet foreign minister, and Joachim von Ribbentrop, who was the German foreign minister. And so as Russia is dropping bombs on Finland and claiming that it's bread... Well, specifically, they would drop cluster bombs, which are pretty nasty because they often leave unexploded heads, Mm -hmm. but they blow up and then a bunch of other small explosions follow. So they called those cluster bombs Molotov bread baskets (laughs) because they were the bread baskets provided by Molotov. They're actually (laughs) bombs. I think Molotov would be very proud of that name. (laughs) So then they started saying some wine to go with the bread as they threw what began to be known as Molotov cocktails back at the Russians. Oh, that's so badass. That's like, (laughs) here's some wine with your bread. Yeah. Throw it in a huge explosion. Right. Oh, it's so good. And so... And, and that name, Molotov cocktail, is also just really catchy. And it even started to be the term that Russians use for that, <laughs> for the Molotov cocktail, which I don't think uh, Vyacheslav Molotov appreciated <laughs> this legacy. But to be fair, dividing up Europe into spheres of influence is kind of a shady thing to do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure any Russian soldier caught using that term would be spending some time in the gulag. <laughs> yeah. History, you guys. <laughs> terrible people doing terrible things. We've learned the origin of the Molotov cocktail. What bug do you have to go along with this? The Bombardier Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> the Molotov Beetle, got it. <laughs> yes. So, as frequently happens, I'll be like, oh, I can think of a perfect insect to go along with this. Mm-hmm. And then what I find out when researching insects is that frequently, like, there isn't actually like a specific one. Yeah. If you say dog, actually... House dogs all belong to the same species that descends from wolves. Yeah. But when you say grasshopper, there's just like zillions of different grasshoppers. And I guess it's because we don't really care about the specifics between all of them that we just have a generic term for all the ones that look similar. Mm -hmm. And the same is true of bombardier beetle. It actually applies to over 500 species that inhabit all the different continents. Okay. Except for Antarctica. And the notable thing about all of these different species is that they have two different pouches, one that stores hydroquinone and one that stores hydrogen peroxide. And they can mix these two, which causes a really hot chemical reaction, and they can spew it from their abdomen. What? Yeah. And the liquid reaches boiling temperature and forms a hot, noxious gas that it can spray at other insects. Oh, wow. And it can be deadly to other insects. That's crazy. Well, it's a pity those aren't like found in Antarctica because that'd be really handy to just find a, you know, find some of those and hey, we can boil water. <laughs> well, not that big. Maybe we're like a hand warmer. Like you could just grab a couple of them and squeeze them <laughs> under your hands. Just smash them in your glove. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder wow. how they probably would actually sting if you got sprayed by it. Like yeah, probably. That's, I mean, yeah, exothermic reaction would probably react with your skin a little bit. Man, I don't want to watch a nature documentary on those things now. <laughs> oh, I should see if I can find a YouTube video. <laughs> Instead of a second idiom today, I'd like to talk about rhyming reduplication and all of the variety of different ways we use it. I, I, this didn't really occur to me, but there are just like tons of these and they are like hodgepodge where it's two words that I don't even think we use hodge or podge separately, but we use hodgepodge to mean a big jumbled mix of things. And that's a rhyming reduplication because it's one word and then a second word that rhymes with it. 
Okay. And there's lots of these. There's like willy nilly, mm-hmm. topsy turvy, walkie talkie, well, walkie talkie. Actually, topsy turvy is well, that's not really one. Yeah, there's more. That's a that's, that's a that's an alliterative reduplication, right? Well, and they rhyme because they both lend in the topsy turvy. It's a rhyming reduplication. It's just not as much of a rhyming reduplication as the others. Yeah. There's also um, a blout reduplication, which yeah. is where a vowel is substituted instead of... Oh, so mishmash. Yes. Or actually kitty cat, although there's a oh. transitional E there, but kit, E, cat. Yeah. And there's just loads of these. Zigzag mm-hmm. would be another a blout reduplication. Okay. Teeny weeny, ding dong, endless, dilly dally, wishy washy. Oh, okay. Super duper. <laughs> Yeah, easy peasy. I like that. Ooh, Jeepers Creepers. EBGB. <laughs> For someone who doesn't speak English, I bet all of these just sound like complete nonsense. It's weird to me that I know what these words mean, even, just as like a rhyming reduplication, mm. even though I would never say the the words separately necessarily. Well, and there's a certain childishness to them too, because heebie-jeebies, I, I don't think I can take an adult seriously if they say heebie-jeebies, or <laughs> if they say I got the heebie-jeebies, you don't, you don't take it. It sounds a they, little they're bit. Not, so. They're not terrified. It's, you know, they may just be a little put off. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's definitely a playfulness to it. Yeah. So I'd like to dig into the origin of two of these. Um, hodgepodge. Like this episode means a jumbled mix of different things. Yeah. Would you like to take a guess as to how we got the term hodgepodge? Yeah, I actually have a legitimate guess for this one. Okay, it's wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it comes from the term decoupage, a French term meaning uh, meaning to cut out. But in the art and craft circles, decoupage is when you take a lot of things, you put them on uh, on a flat surface, and then you and then you put a type of coating over the top of them. Clear coat or Mod Podge is a product that that clear coats it. It kind of gives it a matte finish, and okay. so a lot of times people decoupage boxes um just you know make it look make it look nice a little collage on it but i think we got hodgepodge from that you take a foreign word and then you you kind of mess with it a little bit you don't really take it that seriously so you got hodgepodge or you know decoupage is am i, am I pronouncing decoupage right or i just looked it French? up i would say decoupage decoupage yeah yeah, and to to certain ears that would just sound pompous, and but so it was probably changed to yeah, and it comes from hodgepodge. It comes from decoupé, which means to cut out or cut from something. Yep. So yeah, I, I think it came came from decoupage. Well, that is close actually. Okay. In that it comes from French. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't think you'd get it. Is because it's not a French word. It's it's an old French word. <laughs> so <laughs> it'd be surprising if for some reason you knew that. <laughs> and uh, it was I don't actually you know how to pronounce this it's not a word i've ever seen before but it, like hoshpot okay from hoshe mm-hmm. and pot okay which those don't sound those don't aren't french sounds to me hosh yeah and that word the 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 roots of that word was hoshe meaning to shake and pot meaning pot okay and it was used to describe a stew gotcha and it made it into Middle English as hodgepodge. Okay. And then became hodgepodge. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, origin goes back way farther than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially for something that sounds silly. Yeah. <laughs> so in a similar vein, uh, hocus pocus, mm-hmm. this means... It's magic stuff. Yeah. 
yeah, if something's magic, it's, it's, it's something, it's, well, I think I often think of this as magic that is supposed to be played up as it's real and ah, it's just hocus, you know, it's, right. it's the, the skeptics just, it's hocus pocus. Ah, uh, hocus pocus. Yeah. It's like almost a dismissive way of referring to magic. Yeah. Late, late 1800s magicians going around and, you know, some of the people believe it. Other people, the skeptics are just, ah, it's hocus pocus. Yeah. I don't, I don't Yeah. Really... Nonsense or a sham. Yeah. No, uh, the only thing I can think of is because it ends in us. I was thinking maybe there's a word, maybe there were some colloquialisms at the time or slang terms where it was, you know, oh, you know, hocus pocus. Something like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe those were, you know, maybe hoke was fool and poke means stab. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come from that. Damn. <laughs> So there was a, what, did you say 18th century? I said, yeah, uh, yeah it eight, comes 1800s. From, well, it actually comes from the 17th century. Okay, so 1600s. So 1600s is the earliest use of it. Okay. There was a book about magic, like card trick magic, which was then called Lake Gertemain. I'm not sure how to say that word. And there was a, a book called Hocus Pocus Jr., The Anatomy of Ledger Domain. Okay. And this suggests that Hocus Pocus might have actually been the name of a performer. Oh, okay. Of... That sounds like a performer's Magic. name. Yeah. yeah. And beyond that, the best guess as to its origin is that it comes from dog Latin. Is it similar to pig Latin? No, actually it's not. It's taking like English words and making them sound Latin-y. Oh, okay. So you take a regular verb and you conjugate it with a, a Latin verb conjugation to make it sound like you're speaking a... Oh, wow. That uh, sounds like a lot more work than pig Latin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Hocus pocus. That does... Okay, I can see that. Let's look at the list. Of what? Rhyming reduplications. Let's go back okay. to that and see if we can figure out... I mean, see if we can take some guesses as to which which ones might be... Yeah, I'd like to... Let's go through a few of these and just... We'll just throw out what we think they're... Wishy-washy. What does that mean? It means you, you can't make it... Someone who can't make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that from uh, Charlie Brown. Willy nilly, man, these are hard to define. I do actually know where this. I'd, one comes I'd say from. like half cock, like kind of half cock or discombobulated jumbled. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it means like indecisive, and it comes from will he, won't he. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, hunky dory. What is? That? <laughs> I guess that's not actually a rhyming reduplication, but do you hunky know what dory? Hunky, what does hunky dory mean? I got nothing on that. Oh, well, it means everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, why? I, I haven't actually looked that one up. <laughs> that's, a ni- that is, that's definitely a 1950s phrase. Hunky-dory. <laughs> Dilly-dally. <laughs> means to dawdle. Yeah. I'm not finding any others in here that I think would be the would be dog Latin. Oompa Loompa is the only one that kind of sounds a little dog Latin-y, <laughs> but that's so not... So not dog Latin-y. Huh. Hoity-toity. Hoity-toity. <laughs> Do you know what that means? <laughs> yeah, it means uh, pompous. Yeah, posh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. a bunch of these. Well, we'll do two more later. Doodle-doo. Stay tuned. All right, our second segment, antonyms and antelopes. <laughs> Another rhyming reduplication. All right, nice. well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I, I want to actually propose to you an antonym that wasn't backed up by the dictionary necessarily. Well, the, the definitions were were opposites, but they weren't actually listed as antonyms. Okay. What do you think is the opposite of turbid? Uh, actually, explain to me what turbid is. Oh, is, is, is uh, turbid is in cloudy? Yeah. Okay. Agitated. All right. You, stirred used up. in water. Okay. Yeah. Right. Used of water. I mean, clear would be what I would go with. Yeah. I mean, that works. Yeah. I also think of placid. Oh. I think that works as a... It does, actually. And I associate that with water because there's a, there's a horror movie called Lake Placid. Yeah. But also it's frequently used of water. Yeah. And I don't know. They're both like the same number of letters in, and an id, which is pleasing to me. So I like to think of placid and turbid as an antonym pair. Yeah. Placid and turbid. Oh, that's good. Do you think all antonyms should have parody? No. Well, it'd be nice. I mean, that's... 
like if if you see a if you see a word listed as an antonym mm-hmm. and you go to that word's definition do you expect to see the word you came from listed as an antonym? oh that's what you meant by parody yeah well yeah of course i mean because most of our most databases are computerized anymore so if you write your database properly it should have that linking yeah there. i guess i don't know why i got off on that on to antelopes. So this is actually a generic term for a bunch of different species, and it doesn't doesn't have like any sort of taxonomic definition. Wait, really? It's not like a genus or a breed or no. Like there's a bunch of different animals that are called antelopes. Oh, okay. So what are some? Antelopes? So today's antelope is the oryx. It's a antelope. There's actually four different species of them. Native to Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. They have dark markings on their like face and legs and belly. Nice and they have long, very straight antlers. Oh. Which, interestingly, means that it was theorized by some that they're part of the origin of the unicorn. Oh, cool. Because, well, at least the, the page on unicorns mm-hmm. shows, a, shows an oryx. Mm-hmm. that only has one horn and it yeah, kind of looks more like a unicorn than anything else that actually exists yeah and then also if you were to see it from a side so that the two horns were kind of lined up it would look like okay. uh, a unicorn although it's not really because the horns kind of go back and away from the head as most animals horns do as opposed to like right in the forehead sticking it's straight so, out it's so hard to eat off the ground if you're horn yeah. just kept growing out straight. <laughs> I never thought about that. There should be, there almost needs to be like a, uh, you know how there's a, like the T-Rex failing to do stuff because it can't reach with its arms. Yeah. It should be like a unicorn like trying to graze, but it's just like its head just keeps like sticking into the ground. <laughs> Why the unicorn didn't survive. Yeah. You just see a starved unicorn with like a massive wiggly line drawn in the ground. <laughs> That's interesting. So what was that called again? It's like running under a tree and it ducks <laughs> <laughs> only to have its horn like, <laughs> like go straight oh. right into the ground. And it <laughs> It's called the Oryx. Oryx. It'd actually probably be like a pretty useful word to know for Scrabble. It's spelled O-R-Y-X. I feel oh, like yeah. that word. It's probably oh. not very many words that get rid of a Y and an X yeah, cause that easily. Y and X, those are both eight point words, I think. Well, uh, I thought Y was less. Actually, I think Foxy is slightly. Well, but Oryx. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Oryx does help you get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, if you could do Foxy, that would work. And That's that's a weird enough word. And if you want to spell Roxy, but you can't because it's a proper noun, <laughs> this is a good, good substitute. Okay. Oryx. Idiom number three, a little too on the nose. I think we were using this one quite a bit. Uh, We've used it in a few episodes. In an yeah, episode, I don't know how many of them made it in. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, the actual idiom's on the nose. Yeah. But a little too on the nose has a slightly varied... It has, it, it does so, have on, so on the nose means the exact amount precisely. If you were like guessing a number and your guess was exactly the right answer, then you would have guessed right on the nose. Mm-hmm. And then a little too on the nose is actually kind of a criticism of often films of not having subtlety. Yeah. It can either be that or it can mean something was said and it was brutally honest and it's hurtful. Or what was the other one I was thinking of? Or you're suspect that someone guessed it so exactly. Those are those are two other, other ways okay. I've seen it used. Yeah. So on the nose, do you, do you want to take a guess at where that comes from? Yeah. Well, this comes from the Irish drinking game Punch-Out. 
So, all right. So, you know, it usually occurred a few hours into a Friday night after several rounds. When you want to play the game, you know, you, you and your buddies would say, all right, I'm, all right, we're going to play. We're going to play punch out. And the goal's simple. You try to punch the other person right in the nose. You know, sober, that's that's easy to do. But after you're six pints down and the room is spinning, it's a little hard to hit someone square in the nose. So if you, you know, if you hit them actually in the nose, then that meant you were, you had great precision because you're able to do that even though you're completely plastered. And also a little two on the nose means if, if you got it like right in the center, there's, you haven't been drinking. You've crossed the line. No, it's like you haven't been drinking. They're oh, suspect, okay. you know. All of us here killing our livers and you're, I think you're faking all this drinking. <laughs> okay. Yep. I did actually see someone guessing that it came from boxing, like a, oh, a punch yeah. right on the nose. But interestingly, it actually comes from radio. There is a radio signal that is touching your forefinger to your nose. Uh-huh. That means you're perfectly on time. Okay. So since radio has to be, they have to meet time deadlines so precisely to the second to mm-hmm. get everything fit into the hour. Whenever they have a performer or someone talking, they have a very specific time limit. And a reassuring thing that the director can tell you is is you're right on schedule. You're right on time. Okay. And he can do that without interrupting the recording, obviously, mm-hmm. by touching his forefinger to his nose. Oh, And that cool. means you're you're right on time. Okay. And actually, we still use that as you're correct. Like, that's shorthand for you're correct. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I think I've seen that. Oh, well, well, as you said earlier, it means, you know, if you're on the nose, it means you guess something correctly. Oh, right. The phrase. Yes. Not the gesture. Well, the gesture, too. It's not used very often. I, I do see it used in film, but and actually a handful of times in real life. But yeah, you can touch your nose to indicate that, yeah, you're right. Oh, is that like when you do the wink, too? Like No, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a gestures section. Maybe we'll, we'll do that on our YouTube well, channel uh, one more gesture yeah touching your forefinger to your thumb means perfect yeah the okay symbol we think of it as okay yeah. yeah also originated from radio oh touching your forefinger to your thumb meant perfect all right segment number three homophones and homophobes so the wikipedia page for homophone actually has a line that says not to be confused with homophobe <laughs> <laughs> they're only one letter different oh be an interesting day <laughs> those are those are only one letter different oh and they're right next to each other on the keyboard too n and b oh yeah <laughs> let's start off with home phones yeah uh so homophones are words that have the same pronunciation but a different meaning okay and well i guess spelling's not required so there's this beautiful venn diagram on wikipedia that has three circles same pronunciation same spelling and same meaning okay and where those all overlap it's the same word <laughs> 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 the circle that same pronunciation but not within the circle of same meaning mm. is homophones okay all right so the only requirements are same same pronunciation different spelling or sorry same, same pronunciation different meaning yes got it okay it, different smelling and meaning but same pronunciation is called a heterograph oh and that's the two 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 where you have t-o-t-double-o-t-w-o okay those all have the same pronunciation but different spelling mm-hmm. and different meaning Okay, yeah. and that's that's a section on here. Okay, hetero meaning different, graph meaning uh, scripting, writing. So that makes sense. Heterograph, yeah. Right, and then there's also a heteronym, which is the same spelling but different pronunciation and different meaning. Oh yeah. So uh, low dessert, yeah. desert. No, those are different spellings. No, they're not. Oh, you mean the verb well, d- d- to, to, to dessert? To dessert. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is also. <laughs> yeah. So this is probably the most confusing homophone. 
Well, I don't know. There's a lot of them that are confusing. Yeah. But one of the worst is the fact that dessert, as in the sweet treat that you typically have after a meal, mm -hmm. spelled with two S's. Yes, because you always want seconds on dessert. Okay, is that how you were taught? <laughs> yep. That's okay. how I still remember it to this day. It's <laughs> good. That has the same pronunciation as dessert, the verb meaning to leave or abandon which has the same spelling as the word desert, which is a dry and arid land. So that's a confusing three sets of words. Yeah. Two of which are a homophone and two of which are a heteronym. Have you been to homophone.com? <laughs> no. <laughs> the world's only complete homophone list. Browse homophones, random homophones. What is a homophone? All right, random button. Let's go. Loon and loon. L-O-O-N and L-U-N-E. Uh, L-U-N-E is a crescent-shaped portion of a plane or sphere bound by two areas of a circle. Oh, so like loon from... From moon. Yeah. Yeah. They do jibe and jibe. G-I-B-E-J-I-B-E. -E -E. Okay, G-I-B-E is to make taunting, heckling, or jeering remarks. And jibe, J-I-B-E. It's like a sailing term. Your favorite. Oh, hell. <laughs> Talk about the hom homophobes. Yeah, okay, homophobes. <laughs> this was just really close to homophone, which is why I went with it. <laughs> but I thought it would be funny to talk about <laughs> some of the better counter-protests to the Westboro Baptist Church and yeah. all of their stupid things. <laughs> so, if you're not familiar, the Westboro Baptist Church is... Like, really? I don't know. So, we, I don't so, even care. They, so they, imagine they... imagine someone does Bible study every night, and <laughs> the only passages that they highlight or discuss are the ones, are the anti-gay passages. That's them. And so their entire mission is um, is an anti-gay mission. Like, they, they think that is the worst possible thing of all, is homosexuality. And so anyone who supports that, the United States, is therefore... Even, like, tangentially supports it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they protested the Foo Fighters for not using their fame to promote obedience to God. Like, that's the, that's they, they, like that's not even related to They also really love the camera. Right. Being in front of the camera. And, and so it's all, I almost don't even want to give them the credit of explaining any logic to what they believe. It's just like, <laughs> they try to do the most awful protest. They, like, protest at funerals of veterans and stuff. They yeah. just try to be as loud and obnoxious as possible. They're attention whores. I wonder if this is a... If that's like a, sort of a constructed supervillain origin story that, you know, Fred Phelps, like he, you know, oh, he, you know, he read that one passage <laughs> and it just sparked something and now he's anti-gay. But in all reality, it was a business decision. He's like, well, I'm tired of being a lawyer. I'm, I'm tired of fighting for civil rights because he was a great civil rights lawyer prior to. Yeah. He was very well known. It, I guess, you know, maybe he just thought, you know, there's no money in civil rights. <laughs> but cults, man, that's how you get rich. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> There's people who have put on angel wings, like they've built like huge mm -hmm. wings that strap onto their back and yep. then they all line up and they form like a wall of white that covers the protest from the site of the funeral or, or nice. whatever. And then the, if you have enough people, you can just get a wall of people in front of them. <laughs> There's also who, people who have put out, whenever they're there, they collect money for LGBT groups. Because usually people are willing to donate when they see the horribleness of the Westboro Baptist Church. Because it's not only supporting a cause, it's flipping a giant bird to... <laughs> there was one time when they were protesting in Connecticut and the KKK came out and protested against them. <laughs> Because they were anti-military. <laughs> so, like... Oh, I think that's pretty when funny. When you're like, on the wrong side of the KKK. When, 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 when you're, like, too intolerant for the KKK. <laughs> oh, man.
one of their slogan, one of Westboro Baptist Church's slogans is "God hates fags." Yeah, um, that's a, that's essentially the slogan of their church. Right, I think that's their website too. Oh yeah, they have quite a few websites. Well, anyway, there's one guy who like dressed up as how we picture God, kind of, yeah. <laughs> with like a huge beard and like kind of long flowing hair and like a white robes, yeah, and a big sign, and yeah. yeah, a big sign that says, "No, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to laugh. They're an easy bad guy. Yeah, and, 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 and like you said, it's hard to almost even take them seriously. I, it's almost like a business decision by Fred Phelps to yeah. like, oh, actually, we could protest and sue people who get mad at us rather than do work. And yeah, apparently. Well, and and also the Phelps family, there there are a lot of lawyers there in the family. Um, yeah, and they are the lawyers you go to when you have done some shady stuff and you need a good defense attorney. And it's so sad to see a family that that, that went from civil rights lawyers to the definition of a seedy defense lawyer to universally appalled. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, we thankfully it's a Paul verb. Thankfully, with after enough time, like when when they first really really started going out there, like it was it was very disgusting and just so just brought, so it, viscerally it offensive. Brought up especially, so much rage, especially at like funerals and stuff. Yeah, like, it brought up it, so much yeah. rage. And then it, it's just they've been doing it long enough. You're just like ah, it's the crazy guy that shouts at traffic. You know, yeah. that's that's what they've become. They protested at our church once. I don't even remember why. And we're just like driving by and like looking at them. I mean, like they look like normal human beings <laughs> yeah. yeah i went I, I went to school with a few of them like they oh wow yeah well the, my first degree was at was in topeka which is their home base and they sent most of their kids there and then they would protest at any event that we'd have hooray yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna do two more rhyming reduplications the first one is helter skelter, which means disorderly haste or haphazard manner, no order. Do you have any idea where helter skelter comes from? Um, you know, I don't. Just the Beatles song, but I have a feeling it predates that. There's a Beatles song, Helter Skelter. Okay, is that where Manson got his stuff from? Because I know it he came was... about the same time. Okay, and it wouldn't surprise me, like Phelps's business decisions, if his decision to be crazy, because I. I Manson is a very intelligent man, but with, with, so so, with is intelligent and evil. And I think he knew his best, oh, so his uh, best route was, ter- to, was to play the crazy card. So, <laughs> hey, let's get people to blame music. For those not in the know, uh, Helter Skelter is associated with Charles Manson, who led a small cult and murdered people. Well, his cultists murdered people. He I don't Under think, his direction. Under his direction. Yeah, yeah. He, he never did. So he's got that going for him. Yeah. Uh, so in, in terms of evil, stupid, or crazy, you're placing him solidly in evil. Like he's intelligent oh. enough to know. Yes. Okay. He is evil, definitely not stupid. So bad combination. <laughs> he's evil pretending to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. His theory of Helter Skelter was based on the Beatles and the New Testament book of Revelation. <laughs> which... Whoa. Where did, where'd that come from? Uh, I don't know. These are how cults get started. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme in this episode. Yeah. I don't I know that I put this theme here intentionally, but as we established, this is a hodgepodge. <laughs> so do you have a guess? I, I don't. The The Beatles is the earliest one, because that was during their kind of experimental period. So it wouldn't okay. surprise me if they were just coming up with random, you know, just throwing random words together. Okay. Well, not all rhyming reduplications have origins for both words. Okay. Like sometimes... We just take one word and and then add a slightly altered version to make it into a rhyming reduplication. Gotcha. And so it probably comes from skelt, which is a Middle English term meaning to hasten or skelton. 
and just oh. needs to hasten. Okay, we'll speed things up, go frantically. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a better one for that. Why don't you try a go at zigzag? Zigzag. Well, so zigzag means to kind of go back and forth at an erratic pace. And yeah, or I like, just... And I, go ahead. I don't, know, I don't know that erratic pace is necessary. Like, it, it just means to go back and forth. Back and forth. Serpentine it's, maneuver. It's like a sawtooth edge or... Yeah. And this is a word that, that I, I love the word because its physical appearance mimics that of its, yeah, of its meaning because it has two Z's in it. Right. The Z's or Z's for our foreign listeners or non-American listeners, I guess. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I honestly think that's where it came from is someone just wrote Z's, like he's making a Z pattern, just kind of wrote out Z's and eventually you just have two Z's next to each other and uh, zigzag. <laughs> okay. Timey wimey, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, there's another rhyming reduplication. Yeah. And that would be a case of wimey is not a word. No. It was made just to be a rhyming reduplication with timey. Yeah. So it comes from French zigzag, which comes from German zigzag, which is probably a rhyming reduplication of zack, which meant tooth. Oh. So so if something were toothed like a saw. Right. That that's how you get that zigzag pattern or like teeth. Oh, okay. Wow. So it goes German to French to English. Yep. Oh. All right, our fourth segment is synonyms and centipedes. <laughs> nice. For synonyms, I'd like to talk about two words that people think are synonyms but actually aren't. Okay. And they are venomous. And poisonous. Okay. This sound this this sounds like nitpicky, but go ahead. It it is a little nitpicky. Mm. But the quick and dirty way <laughs> to separate the, the meaning of these two words is if you bite an animal mm -hmm. and you die, that animal was poisonous. If that animal bites you and you die, then it was venomous. Okay. So, so venom is a toxin created by an animal and injected into something else. All right. And that makes that animal venomous. Whereas poison means they naturally contain toxins that are harmful to humans. Okay. Well, that does, that does make sense because, well, as I think about how venomous and poisonous are used in daily life, poisonous always refers to things that you consume. If there's a snake on the ground... Oh, no, actually, we do say a poisonous snake. Yeah. That is and that's a not technically term. correct. Yeah. Because you can eat snakes. I have. Yeah. And they taste great. <laughs> that's a, yeah, but... A but really, it should snake. be like a poisonous mushroom. Yeah. And a venomous snake. Yeah. You would never say a venomous mushroom. Right. I, I pray I pray those don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> World's a big place. <laughs> So yeah, if you wanted to be pedantic, mm -hmm. you could call people out for saying spiders or snakes are poisonous. Yeah. They are, technically speaking, venomous. So for centipedes, I'd like to talk about Scolopendra gigantea, Is that a also one? known as the Peruvian giant yellow centipede or Amazonian giant centipede. Is it poisonous and or venomous? Yes, it is venomous. Okay. The venom of Scolopendra gigantea is potent, containing <clears throat> acetylcholine, histamine, and serotonin. Oh, so Pain. at least it'll make you feel good while right. it's killing you. And proteases, and a cardiodepressant factor. Huh. Fatal to most small animals and toxic to humans. Causes severe pain, swelling, chills, fever, and weakness. Wow. Here's a picture of a guy holding one. Oh, that's big. Yeah, for a centipede. It's, they, they can be about 10 inches long. Okay. And now is centipede a general term for any, for like a long segmented bug, for lack of a better term, that has many legs? Yeah, as we previously established, <laughs> there's a term bug. Yeah. So there, the generic term is for the genre of creatures is arthropods. 
Okay, they're arthropods. So they have segments. They have segments. I think the defining feature is is a segmented body mm-hmm. with every segment or most of the middle segments all having a pair of legs. Okay. And they have varying numbers. They don't. Mm-hmm. The name suggests that they have a hundred legs. Yeah. But they actually vary a lot. And there's no centipede that has exactly a hundred legs. Oh, I'm disappointed in that. <laughs> I think some geneticists need to get on that. They can have legs ranging from thirty to three hundred fifty-four. <laughs> So it's definitely the right range. Yeah. So what? So what else? There tell, are eight thousand species of centipede. Oh my gosh. So tell me what else is special about the giant centipede that you were the Peruvian giant centipede. Yes. Okay. It's carnivorous and aggressive and eats anything it can anything that it encounter encounters that it can kill. Oh, damn it! You got something else to fear now. <laughs> uh, it can even do eat mice and bats and frogs. Hmm. It would be kind of cool to see that thing take down a bat. Yeah, they're known to employ unique strategies to catch bats, in which they <laughs> climb cave ceilings and hold or manipulate their heavier prey with only a few legs attached to the ceiling. Wow. Have you seen a house centipede before? I mean, I've seen a centipede in the house. Okay, this is different. This is, there's a, a it's called a house centipede. Go ahead, look it up. Okay. We had, I, I never encountered these until I was living in St. Louis. And those? Yes. I have seen those. Yeah. And they kind of. They have really long, for the listener, they have really, really long legs and then like long antennae. Yeah. I was introduced to these at 2 a.m. while playing Resident Evil in the dark. <laughs> And I was fighting a monster that looked, it was a long segmented monster that could rear up on its hind legs and attack me with its pincers. And I saw something move out of the corner of my eye and I looked to the wall six inches from my face and there was a house centipede rearing up on its hind legs, <laughs> waving its pincers at me. I what screamed is like a- small. <laughs> No, 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 no. These, this was, <laughs> this was massive. Check the Australian one. Oh yeah, I'm sure that one's That's big. the, Medi- yeah, this is the Mediterranean one. Well, you weren't, were you in Australia? No, but I wasn't in the Mediterranean either. Well, no, that says the Mediterranean one is now found almost worldwide. Oh, okay. It's it, or, or originated from the... I don't want them to look that big either. It only can grow to be about an inch long. No. I'm sure it, it wasn't... Okay, the body was... I, I Sorry. I get that that would be scary if you were playing Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even then, I, I, I was still... I feel like... They're, seeing... they're, ter- they're, they're just terrifying in the way they look and how fast they move. Yeah. But I had a rule in the house that we could... Actually, my wife was not allowed to kill any because they took care of spiders. Yeah. They kept the spiders in check. They kill other arthropods. Yes. Yeah, that would be like playing Half-Life and like getting up from your chair and seeing a crab. (laughs) Hanging on the ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that just about wraps up our hodgepodge episode. Our last idiom is bee's knees. Mm -hmm. So the bee's knees means excellent, the best, highest quality. Mm -hmm. Just the best. It's the bee's knees. It's the cat's pajamas. The cat's meow. <laughs> oh, great. Well, just the bee's knees. Tell us what you think the origin for the bee's knees is. You can tweet us at Idioms Idiots or follow us on Facebook. Find and like us on Facebook. You'll get updates when we release our episodes. Go hang out on SoundCloud. Comment on the episodes. Or even send us an email. Idioms.idiots at gmail.com. Adios. Bye.